you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The Lord's good. Seems like these people are gotten kind of Pentecostal here. Look what the Lord has done. I'm telling you, that's something. That ain't no uh, Church of God or just uh, Assembly of God. You know, they're traditional Pentecostal. That's that's a song for everybody. It's even a song for Presbyterians. Amen. I mean, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. It's a song that God wants people to sing. But look what He's done for us. Amen. I mean, that's just such a beautiful thought when you really think about it. And if you know, if you don't like the way the Pentecostal people sing it, just create your own version. You could create a Presbyterian version, you know, and put it in a book with little. And you could do a singer-songwriter version, you know, that's really cool and, you know, faddish and all that. I mean, I mean, whatever you want. Just create your own little thing and put your own tune to it and just sing it to the Lord. And as you sing it, think about what He has done. The Bible says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Right? Where Christ is, seated at, seated, seated at the right hand of God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall also appear with Him in glory. You know, that has a near and a far application. The far is when we go to heaven, right? Amen? Come on, y'all. Now, y'all know that. Everybody thinks the near, thanks, Doug. The near is now that when Christ appears, Christ wants to appear to people. If he's appearing to unsaved people in the Middle East in dreams and stuff and they're getting saved, how about some saved people, you know, and getting, you know, getting some something from heaven? I'm stopping because I'm in trouble. All righty, I'm going to read this verse here. Um, so what I'm talking about this morning is the double portion. I really want to finish having this conversation about tapping into the double portion that God has for us. Uh, and so I might repeat myself a little bit here, you know, for the sake of people who, who are not here, who haven't been here, um, just, and for your sake, you have been, and you wasn't listening, and, <laughs> you know, or you forgot. And so you're going to be okay. Let me read this. Second Kings 2. This is when Elijah was taken to heaven. And so it was, verse 9, 2 Kings 2, when they had crossed over, the, they were talking about the Jordan, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Isn't that a, I just love that. Just ask. You know, and <clears throat> I actually heard this amazing testimony yesterday from uh, John Arnott. How many people know who John Arnott is? You know, he talked about when the, in, back in the 94 when, when the Holy Spirit broke out in, at his little church at the end of a runway in Toronto, and he was, you know, com- he was totally confused about what God was doing. It wasn't like he was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. He was like, what the heck is this? And he didn't even know if it was the Lord or not. He had a lot of questions, and he kept saying to the Lord, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand. And the Lord told him two things. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling I love this, what the Lord told him. The first thing the Lord said to him is, John, you don't understand women. How in the heck do you think you can understand me? That's, that's classic God right there. I thought, oh, every guy knows that now. We're, in, we're on board now. So if you've always had trouble with the Lord and you're a guy today, you now know. He's worse than a woman when it comes to understanding. And the other thing the Lord said to him was, just ask. 
just ask. And he said that's the way they determined what they were going to do. He, they would ask the Lord, and if he felt peace in his heart, they would go with it. If they didn't feel peace in their heart, they wouldn't do it. And they, that's how they ran that whole thing. And I'll tell you, he, hit, he said they missed a few things, but they hit the big things because there was a few critical moments where they could have missed the whole thing. In fact, the Lord told them, if you would have stopped that, this thing would have stopped in two weeks. Isn't that amazing? There's certain critical things that happen in our life that we may not... Well, here was the story. This was right after the Lord started moving. Was, you know, they had these great meetings. God was moving, and, and someone else was preaching, uh, you know, following Sunday in their Sunday service, and John's wife, Carol or not, was up on the stage on the floor making a literal fool of herself. That's what he said. She was flopping around, you know, crying out, being distracting to the preacher, and... Um, and someone came up to John like, you know, let's get her out of the way because she's embarrassing herself. I mean, they really, it wasn't like, they weren't worried about all the distraction thing. They were concerned for her because, you know, she was the pastor's wife and it looked, she looked very undignified. You know how that goes. Right, Becky? <laughs> Anyways, they were doing it to protect her, and he said... Nobody's touching her because I know she would never, ever do anything to distract from what God was doing or to make a show. I know this is God. And what he found out after it was over with, she had this amazing encounter with the Lord where the Lord downloaded into her heart the blueprint for that revival. Isn't that amazing? And if he had stopped it, they would have had two weeks of revival and it would have... It would have been ended. So really, you know, thank God, you know, for people who are willing to do this. What do you want from me? Ask. That's my, my little word on ask. Let's just start asking the Lord about things instead of taking things into our own hands. They're bringing cake in here for somebody. <laughs> okay, so I just did the ask thing, and, you know, I'm asking for cake. <laughs> cake. I love cake. I'm a cake person, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Anyways, Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And I've told you this, in the Hebrew culture, it, the firstborn son in the family got double the inheritance. And then the rest of the family had to split up what was left. But the firstborn always got the double. And so Elisha was crying out to Elijah for that double. He was asking something a Hebrew would ask. He was wanting something that he felt in his mind as the son, the first son of Elijah, of Elijah. This belongs to me. I want this. I want what's rightfully mine. That's amazing. When you really delve into this and really think about it. And then uh, Elijah said, so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, you sh it shall be so for you. But it, if not, it shall not be so. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, six times in the Bible, it mentions the double portion. I always used to think, you know, maybe it mentioned it here, maybe somewhere else here and there. And I always thought about this double thing as more of a Pentecostal. And believe me, I'm not putting down Pentecostal people. I love Pentecostal people. We really come from a Pentecostal root ourselves, although I don't necessarily label myself as Pentecostal, but I always think about this Pentecostal thing, uh, like some Pentecostal revival preacher, get the double anointing, you know, and everybody goes up every week and gets a double anointing, 
And then sooner or later, you would have this exponential anointing, right? If you did it long enough, you know, to, you know, that goes up pretty quick. So that's how I always used to think about it. Of course, this thought has been misapplied and misused, but it's a legitimate uh, biblical fact, the double portion. It's not just something that man has come up because it is mentioned six times in the, in the Bible. Let me read one really beautiful one here. It's in Isaiah 61. And, you know, many of you know that Isaiah 61 is the, uh, what they call the everlasting covenant. And it begins with Jesus, or, well, not Jesus, Isaiah prophesying that later Jesus quoted this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free, open blind eyes, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus said that in Luke 4. Verse 18, he quoted Isaiah 61. So Isaiah 61 is really a messianic, prophetic thing. It talks about the Lord himself, the spirit of the Lord being upon him. And then it goes on and talks about us. It talks about the people of God. It talks about the everlasting covenant, the salvation covenant. And then and sort of as they get into it in verse 7, it says, Instead of your shame, this is powerful, you shall have double honor. You shall have double honor. Instead of shame, you shall have double honor. This is part of this is for the people of God. This is describing what this double portion is really about. You shall have double honor instead of shame. Um, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their for- portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess double. They shall this is amazing, isn't it? Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Isn't that awesome? Let me read what shame is. I, I've really delved into this word a little bit. Shame is a painful emotion caused by a strong sense of guilt, embarrassment, unworthiness, or disgrace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Disapproval, disrespect, discredit, dishonor, condemnation, and disappointment. That's what shame, that's a a description of what shame is. Everybody in this room has felt shame. Uh, And and I know there's people sitting in this room right now that shame is is a part of your life. You feel this shame on you for something. You feel dishonored, you feel disrespected, you feel disappointed. You feel a certain amount of condemnation on you. Am I talking to anybody? Or am I the only one in this room who's struggled with feeling shameful? Have you ever had somebody tell you to be ashamed of yourself? Yeah, when I was growing up, that was what, what people said to, when, you were, when you did bad things. It was like a curse being put on you, be ashamed of yourself. It, it, was, it was terrible, really, and that kind of stuff will stick in a child's heart, you know, and it will create a world of, of lies in your heart and, and all this thing. And, but here the Lord is saying instead of shame, you'll have, a, you'll have double honor. God wants to honor people. That's, that's what this double portion, that's part of what it is. God wants to release honor where everybody feels honored, where no one feels disrespected. I mean, that seems impossible and it is impossible in the natural, but it is very possible in the spirit realm. It's very impossible in God, very possible in God and the grace of God being released to people. And I believe the answer for the world's shame is us, is releasing, the, releasing this, this amazing God that we have into the world and helping them deal with this confuse, confusion and thing that comes on people. I just think that's really awesome. I want to read one more of the double and it's for Samuel 1, 5. And this is not, this is uh, Hannah's husband. Hannah was a barren woman. And 
you know, back in those days, men had more than one wife, and he had a, this man had two wives, Hannah and another one, and uh, she, Hannah couldn't have children. She was barren. And it said uh, every year this guy would give gifts to, his, to both of his wives, but it says in 1 Samuel 1, 5, but to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. In that beautiful, although the Lord had closed her womb. In other words, God wants the double portion come simply because of God's love. Isn't that beautiful? It's not something we have to earn. I mean, that's what it's telling. It's something that God does for the people He loves. And isn't that good? This, I mean, this is a, an amazing revelation when you begin to really think about this is something that God has for every person, and and really He has it because He loves us and He wants to honor us and He wants to bless us. And that's how we, we are able to receive these things. It's not that we earn them, but we can't ask for them. We can't ask, God, I want this double portion. I want to start having the double portion for my life. And I want to be able to begin to tap into that and walk in that double portion. Are y'all in with this? I'm daggone I am. And y'all might not want to do this, but... Uh, <laughs> anyways, I want to read Ephesians 1.3. This is shifting over to the New Testament for a, a moment. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, has, not will, blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's the double portion. We've already been blessed with this. God has already made provision for this. This is the thing we need to really, this is fundamental that we get this part of this. Okay? That this is something that has been done for us and has been settled for us. That God has provided, Christ is the one who carried the double portion. He was the firstborn son. Uh, son was, he was the firstborn over all creation. I think that's Colossians 1.15. And because he was the firstborn and because he died, he was given the double portion. Okay? And so your natural mind, like well, all the other many sons and many brothers of Christ, we'll, get, we'll have to divide the rest of it up. But that is not what it means. That's not what God is saying to us. He said, well, you can do that if you want to and get your little piece over all the millions of Christians all, all eternity, or you can have his double portion. You can tap into the double portion of Christ. See, that's the thing, because he was the firstborn. Like, we're crying out to him, we won't, we forget our inheritance, we want your inheritance. That's really what the gospel is. The gospel is tapping into Christ's inheritance, and I can really prove that. It's right in the Bible. It's clearly stated in the Bible. And so we can pursue our little thing, our little teeny piece of what we think, or we can pursue what He already has made available for all of us. Are y'all with this? Okay. So, I just wanted to say that. Now let me read Ephesians uh, down to verse 13. There's a, I suggest you read Ephesians uh, 1 because that's where all this, this is packed into this. And Colossians also is another book that packs this thing in pretty tight. But in verse 13, it says, um, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed. Isn't this amazing? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It makes me think of when Jesus says, Wait uh, in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father. Okay, I think we've said this 154 times. Let's say it one more, 155. In the Bible, there's only one the promise of the Father. Only one. 
There's many promises. I think Chuck Swindoll said there's 7,000 and something promises in the Bible. That's pretty cool. And God's made 7,000 and something promises, but there's, but there's only one promise, and that's the Holy Spirit. The promise. He's the promise. That's sort of significant, I think. I mean, you know, you can have many girlfriends, but you can have one the girlfriend, right? And she becomes the wife. You can't have many wives and they can only be one the wife. But you can have other girlfriends in your life, but now I have one the girlfriend. Well, I'm going to tell you what I did. I'm going to give some men some, some hints here one time. One time we were having some work done on our house, okay? And these guys were construction guys. They were a rough crowd, okay, to say the least. They were rough, but they were good at what they did. So I was happy with them, even though they were rough. Uh, and they said, like, well, she, Becky, they hadn't met Becky, and she came walking in, and they said, is this your wife or is this your girlfriend? And I said, very brilliantly, I mean, very brilliantly, I said, both. And Becky loved that. See, I, that's why I said very brilliantly, because she loved it. So, man, you could, I think that's what women want to hear. Not only is she my wife, she's still my girlfriend. I'm still pursuing her. I'm still going after her. That's what that says. I still think she's worth the extra effort. You know, yeah, you should nudge over to, to Rob and Dave. I saw you do that. That was really good. Good job, Dave. <laughs> Hopefully you do that at home, right? <laughs> I'm just messing around. Thank you, Lord. But not really. I do marriage counseling, I'll be honest with you. But I'm not asking for any. Anyways, oh, help, Lord. I'm in, i got to get out of here. i got to finish. I'm going to finish in early today. <laughs> Actually, I do want to finish a few minutes early so Kalani can come back up here. Okay? Will you? Will you? I'm going to do that. All right, but I wanted to read verse 14. This is talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, he's, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and this is what verse 14 says. Who is... The guarantee, the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit is the down payment that God has made on this double portion. In other words, God has said, listen, I'm going to give you, there's a double portion available to you, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that you will eventually, you will eventually get this double portion. Okay? Most Christians are going to get it when they go to heaven. And I think that's when we fully get it. I don't know that we fully get it here because when it says when we see Him, we'll be like Him. I believe that's the final, the final, when we are actually like, 100% like Christ. But I think... What God's heart and intent is not for us to wait to the day we close our eyes for the last time, but begin to tap in today because God has already put the down payment. Many people in this room live in a house that is not fully paid for, but you made a down payment on that house, right? And therefore, you have a right by law to go live in that house. Because you have done the necessary things, although you don't legally and fully own it, but you own it enough to live in it. And we own enough of the double portion 
to be able to tap into the rest of it. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And that's why, you know, we really have to rethink our position on the Holy Spirit this morning. We have to rethink how the Holy Spirit's treated and how we approach Him. Because He's the guarantee if you want everything that Christ has for you, the Holy Spirit is the person that's going to make sure you get that. And you can't make Him the lesser member of the Trinity. Because that's a huge mistake and a huge lie. Because He's not lesser. In fact, He was so important that Jesus said to His disciples, it's going to be a lot better for you for me to leave so you can have Him. And I guarantee you that none of those people, if they were given the choice, would have said to Jesus, yeah, no. They would have said, no, you stay. Every one of them would have said, no, sir, we don't want this, this deal. We, we know what the Holy Spirit is, but we want you. And He's saying, no, the best thing for you is for me to leave here and for Him to come. And for the church and for Christians to dishonor the Holy Spirit is the, one of the greatest things, the greatest mistakes we'll ever make, the great, one of the greatest sins we'll ever make. In fact, Jesus said that. Now, I'm not getting into all this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but I'm just saying that's not a good thing in God's eyes. And I'm not saying people blaspheme the Holy Spirit but, because they may reject Him because they don't understand Him. But I am saying this, we need to reassess our position on the Holy Spirit. We need to reassess our thoughts towards Him and our position about Him and how, he, how we relate to Him. Are y'all okay with that? And I wanted to read this uh, other little verse in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. Uh, this is a, everybody knows this scripture, obviously. Uh, I, I knew it before I was even a Christian. You know, that's one of those kinds. Those are bad. I'm going to tell you something. Those are bad verses to know. Bad verses to know is verses you knew when you were not Christian. Right? I've always said to people, I wish I knew nothing about God until I got saved because I believed all this bad stuff about Him when I got saved that people had told me. And then I got saved, God had to undo a bunch of stuff in my heart of wrong beliefs that people told me, you know, it was religion and stuff it wasn't true it was it was terrible but this is it verse 9 1 corinthians 2 but as it is written i has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for those who love him again this has a near and a far application far of course is heaven and that's the way it's been traditionally taught but it has a near that God has stuff prepared for us now at this moment today that He wants us to step into Him. But listen, but God has revealed them. Everybody say revealed. That's how we, we get to know about this stuff. It's through revelation. It takes a revealing. It takes an uncovering to know these things. We can't figure these things out with our minds. Don't try. That's futility. There has to be a revealing from God. God has revealed to them how? Through His Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to reveal, to uncover the things that God has for us. It's like finding a, 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 a treasure that you didn't know you had on your property. You dug up a box one day. And in the box was money and jewelry and cool things that you want that was put there by one of your ancestors in hopes that somebody would go dig around in the backyard and find it. You know, 
And so you, and that's what the Holy Spirit, He leads us to that place and He gives us a shovel and says, dig. Just keep digging, dig till you find that box because it's out there. You know, someone said one time, God doesn't hide things from us, He hides, hides things for us. That's the way we had to look at this. He's hid these things for us because He don't just throw them out there because people would step on them and, and kick them to the side. They would, you know, it's the, the familiar thing that people do, the way we treat each other when we get familiar, that we're not worthy because we know each other and, and we're just, oh, yeah. I know them, they're bad, they're not really anything. God really doesn't want us to treat His treasures like that. It says, For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the the things of a man except the spirit of man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing When when you really think about it instead of these just being familiar verses? If you really stop and really think about this, this is telling us something. This is telling us if you want to tap in to all that Christ has for you, there has to be this relationship with the Holy Spirit. There has to be this connection with the Holy Spirit. There has to be a koinonia, that's what, or a fellowship, or, or communion, or a communication with Him. Because He's the one who's going to bring revelation. He's the one who's going to reveal all that Christ has for us and what Christ died for us for. He's the one who's going to reveal it to us. And that was what Elijah was saying to Elijah. If you can see it, if you can see it, you can have it. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the ability to see it. He's the one who uncovers it. Many times the very things that God has for us are right in front of us. We're out looking here, we're out looking there, we're trying to chase this, chase that, and it's right there, but we can't see it. Can't see it. I know several men... The woman that they passionately wanted was way out there somewhere, but really they wound up finding her right in front of them. She was right there. They just didn't see it. They knew her. They were familiar with her. Are y'all following this? And see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He'll reveal the things that are right there in front of us, right around us, and He'll reveal the things that are far away from us. He'll do that. That's what He wants to do. That's what He desires to do because He wants us to have all this. Does anybody want this? Besides, I believe you do. This has been a, 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 a sort of an uphill uh, climb for me, I'll be honest with you, to try to wrestle in my heart about this, with my, in my heart about what God has given me and the dreams that God has put in my heart and wrestle with Him about how to lay hold of these things. Uh, you know, because I've done it, you know, the wrong way so much. As a believer, I've went after the things of God many times the wrong way. And let me just say this about God. He's so graceful and long-suffering and merciful that many times we discover the things of God, even when we're going about it all wrong. He's just like a father who, who, who steps in uh, and says, you know, you didn't really handle that right, but I'm not even going to say that to you. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you because I love you. But down the road, I'm going to teach you one day how to really, how to really do this thing. And see, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell you what God's been telling me. And God has been telling me, as Byron, you have gone about things the wrong way. You have strived for things. You have pushed for things. Okay? I don't, you don't need to do that. You need to start believing for things. You need to start believing things. You need to start seeking revelation for things. And when you start seeking revelation for things, you'll start seeing things. Then I can give you the wisdom 
on how to lay hold of those things and how to make those things a reality in your life because those things are already done. You're carrying everything you want inside of you already. Every one of you are. If Christ is in your spirit, it's in there. You're not getting any more of God, I'll be honest with you, in terms of your body, soul, spirit. Now, in terms of your body and soul, you need to get a lot more of God. But in terms of your spirit, you're full of God. That's what the Bible teaches. I need to stop. Claudia, why don't you all start coming on up here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we're a new creation in Christ. That's in your spirit. Okay? That new man is in there. That Christ man is in there. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes us aware of that Christ man and shows us how to draw and tap into that Christ man. Tap into that anointing some of you are looking for. Tap into that authority some of you are looking for. Tap into those little bits and pieces of dreams some of you are looking for. The Holy Spirit's the one who will teach you how to do that and show you how to do that. But you had to submit yourself to Him. You had to allow Him preeminence in your life. You had to make Him, Jesus said, now where the Spirit is the Lord. The Holy, that's what Jesus, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Lord in John 6. He said, where the Spirit is the Lord, there's liberty. That's what Jesus said. Everybody, Jesus is Lord, obviously, but he's talking about his Spirit. Let me finish reading this while these girls get one. They made it great, man. And they did bring a couple guys here, you know, Lord help them, but I'm liking the women doing all this. I think this is a good thing. Yes and amen. Well, anyways, I think I better stop here. Let's just pray. Yeah, let's pray. Holy Spirit, just if you'd like to, if you, if you can trust me. Holy Spirit, I need you. I love you. You're God. I want more of you in my life. I, want, I need you to help me about my dreams, about my uh, marriage, about my job, about my friendships, about my ministry. I, don't, I can't do nothing without you, Holy Spirit. And I'm inviting you into my life today one more time to renew me and cause me to be able to lay hold of all that Christ has laid hold for me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Boy, well, Paul was doing such a good job, but Tim's not. I'm a little nervous getting up here now, Jim. <laughs> um, can we put Ephesians 3.1 back on there again real quick? This is how to, everything Byron said, this is how to work it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now the problem is if those spiritual blessings stay in heavenly places, they really don't do us any good. But Jesus told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in that heavenly place. So that's what brings it home. That's what we need to pray. We know that they're there. We know they're in full. We know that they're ours. We just have to figure out. It's, you know what? You know what diabetes is? Diabetes is when the blood cells in your body 
your pancreas creates insulin because the glucose can't go into your blood cells. But the glucose can go into the insulin your pancreas creates, and the insulin can go into the blood cells. So it's like the glucose is all the blessings in heaven, but they can't get into our bloodstream unless we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's through the Holy Spirit that they're able to get into us. Isn't that a neat picture of that? Amen. Let's worship. And the ministry team, come on up to minister as we're worshiping. Amen. Amen.